Welcome to Green Carpet Interviews. Let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Deji. This is Green Carpet Interviews as well. I'm your host, one of your hosts. And this is Akindele Bancoli, the other host. Yes. Um, today, so what's going on today, Dan? Well, who, who we got? Actually, we are bringing on today an amazing person, uh, Demetrius Walker. And so um, he is actually, he grew up in New York, but he went to university in uh, Tennessee. He went to Vanderbilt University and got his BA in economics. Mm -hmm. And then he also went to a Texas A&M University and got his uh, master's. Uh, as well in nonprofit management, and uh, so he has a, he has his restaurant in the greater Bay, uh, greater Houston uh, area yeah. area, and yeah. so um, and his restaurant name is uh, Nick's Vegan Pizza. At least from what I understand, I think that name Nick is what um, a very close family member used to call him. You know, so that was his nickname because I believe his grandparent wasn't uh, thought Demetrius was too long, so okay. Mick became his uh, his uh, nickname. Okay, actually, I think it's cool. So anyway, so yeah. we're bringing Mick on, and I'm waiting desperately to actually hear his own thoughts about how he built his business hmm. and also how he got into uh, becoming a vegan. You know, so yeah. this is awesome. I'm excited. All right, well, let's uh, let's bring him on. Yeah, let's Without do that. Further ado, Demetrius. Hey, Demetrius. How are you? Hello, hello. Hi, bud. How are Great you, man? You, gentlemen, how you doing? Pretty good, thank you. Doing really well. Doing yeah. really well. Thank you so much for coming on today. And uh, and I know you're a, you're a business owner, and so uh, <laughs> you know your time is very valuable. Uh, um, we definitely know that. So. Yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, it'll be nice to know um, how you got uh, uh, started uh, in your business, mm -hmm. you know, and also um, probably before that, were you were you vegan before you started your business? Yes, yes. Oh, wow. And and how did that come about that you became vegan? And then, of course, then segue into uh, how you then got into having this pizza restaurant. It's amazing. You know, I had an epiphany on, uh, it was October 2nd, 2018. Um, and I was just, I was sitting on my couch on Instagram and mm. uh, I was scrolling through my feed and I saw a post that triggered me. Um, mm. It was a post, it was a plate of pig's feet uh, with chicken's feet on top, you know, covered in hot sauce which something that my family, uh, you know, commonly ate, mm -hmm. uh, my grandmother, my mom. Um, but, you know, even prior to being vegan, it was always something that I just couldn't understand how people could eat the feet of animals. And, you know, uh, namely because it reminded you that you were eating an animal, um, <laughs> you know, similar to the, the way people will kind of try to, stray away from in most cultures eating like the head of an animal um you know my grandmother used to love saying that the best part of the fish was the 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 head where the brains and stuff were and i'd just be like you know how could you do that despite the fact that i would eat every other part right 
Mm-hmm. And um, I started reading the comments on the post because I was expecting other people to be similarly, uh, you know, outraged or disgusted by the post. And overwhelmingly, everyone was like, that, that looks delicious. And I was just like, you know, I must live in a different reality because I just can't fathom how people could look at the feet of an animal and think it's appetizing. Um, And so, you know, in that moment, I really did a self-assessment. I said, okay, what am I missing here? Um, And I realized that I was being a hypocrite. You know, I wasn't any better than anyone else who was eating any other parts of animals because I was eating all the other body parts. I'm eating ribs and legs and thighs and, you know, you name it. Um, So just because I was eating another part of various animals, that didn't make me any better than anybody else who was doing it. Um, And so in that moment, I said, I cannot be critical of anyone who does this. um, And I'm still eating animals. So I said, tomorrow, I'm not going to eat any animals. You know, and I I wasn't even thinking about veganism. I just said, tomorrow, not going to eat any animals. Um, And for half a second, I thought about, I said, you know, maybe I'll go vegetarian tomorrow. Maybe I'll eat some, you know, I I used to start my day with a cup of yogurt. Um, I loved pizza. And so I was like, I I could go vegetarian tomorrow. Um, And then another thought occurred to me. And that thought was, what if instead of being born a human, I was born a cow? You know, we have 1.5 billion cows on planet Earth. And, you know, I just happened to luck luck out and be one of the seven and a half billion humans. But I could just as easily have been born a cow. And what would my life have looked like if I had been born a cow instead? And I started playing it out in my mind, uh, being uh, stuck on a wheel next to a whole bunch of other cows with a machine pulling on my nipples from sun up to sundown, and I couldn't do anything about it to get away from it. And this was my life every day. And I was like, man, that would be hell on earth if I had been unfortunately born a cow and had to succumb to, uh, you know, not having any consent and being milked mechanically for the for my entire life. And so I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do any dairy tomorrow either. And, uh, you know, that day came and went and I felt perfectly fine. And I said, you know, well, for the rest of the week, I won't eat meat or, or consume dairy. And then I felt fine after that week. And then I said, I, I can't find a compelling reason to go back to doing what I was doing before because I'm, I'm still alive. I feel better. I got a lot more energy. So why would I even go back to consuming animals? Um, and so, uh, you know, I just, I went vegan cold turkey. Um, and, uh, you know, of course this was a bit alarming for my family. Um, my mom, who my whole life had been begging me to eat vegetables was, uh, you know, couldn't believe that I would only eat vegetables now, fruits and vegetables. Um, and then my son, you know, my son at the time was six years old. He's 11 now. Um, and I have custody of my son. And his first question, once I went vegan, was, well, what am I going to do about pizza? (laughs) And, uh, you know, kids love pizza. Pizza is featured 
at any fun event that kids are attending, any birthday party, any school event, they're being rewarded either with pizza or candy. And so that his biggest fear was that he'd never be able to eat pizza again. And, uh, you know, I said, okay, well, we have a problem to solve. And so, uh, you know, I said, you know, you know, my family calls me Meek. That's what I've been called since birth. Um, I said, Meek has to come up with a vegan pizza. And so I kept thinking that Meek's vegan pizza, what's it going to look like? What's it going to taste like? You know, how am I going to be able to either replicate the taste of traditional pizza or make it better, um, but vegan? And so started just playing around in my kitchen, experimenting. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until I, ha I found a recipe that my son would not immediately spit out that I knew I was on to something. And so, you know, that's where the whole concept for Meeks Vegan Pizza came from. Um, during the pandemic, we had a lot of time to work from home. And uh, so, you know, as I was away from my office, I was working in economic development. Uh, I was able to, you know, make these pizzas during lunchtime and, you know, keep experimenting. And I couldn't find, I, I couldn't envision myself going back to an office and working for someone else when I knew Meek's Vegan Pizza had to get out to the world. Uh, so yeah, you know, that's where Meek's Vegan Pizza was born. I started during the middle of the pandemic, which people thought was also insane um, to start a business amidst the fact that restaurants were not able to open their doors to the public in most places. And uh, there was a lot of uncertainty in the air but uh, I knew this was something that I could no longer sit on. And like I said, I was not gonna go back to an office when I knew the world needed a vegan pizza that they could love, that they could cherish, that they could tell their non-vegan friends about uh, and hopefully inspire people to get on this plant-based journey with me. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, this is my first time actually initiating the, uh, the questions. And I forgot to ask you one very important question. Mm -hmm. Tell us about you. Yeah. <laughs> about you, you know, your own, your own journey uh, through growing up, uh, where, you, where you grew up, how your education and so on, you know. I forgot to ask you about that. Well, you know, uh, growing up in New York City, I grew up in Brooklyn and the Bronx. And from a very young age, I can always remember being an avid animal lover. Um, I've always had a dog and, um, you know, I feel that I've been connected to pretty much all animals uh, in a way mm -hmm. that I see them in the same way that I see people, um, their personalities, their quirks. And I can remember my youngest memory of realizing that human human beings have a compassion problem was being three or four years old and i remember my parents would buy lobster and have you know host super bowl parties uh my dad had been stationed in maine uh, in the u.s navy and so after living in maine my sister was actually born in maine she's three years younger than me um some of the things that became habit there were buying big barrels of shrimp and, and lobster. And, uh, you know, we got back to New York City, 
they would put the lobster in a bathtub on ice and, uh, you know, until they're ready to be cooked. And I would cry and I would go crazy. I said, oh, you know, you're freezing them to death. You're killing a lobster. And, and everybody thought it was hilarious that this three, four-year-old kid would be upset that these lobsters are freezing to death. And, um, you know, and I realized I was different back then. I'm like, you know, how can people not see the suffering of any living thing, um, regardless of whether it looks like us or not, just never agreed with it. But was, you know, it became normalized behavior for me to consume animals, namely because it's just a cultural thing. It's, um, you know, something that's accepted by society here in the United States. And um, in the back of my mind, I think I was always, there was always some lingering guilt behind it, um, even prior to going vegan. Um, but you know, grew up in New York City, and uh, I realized that I wanted to get out of New York City. Uh, you know, in my preteen years, I, I learned of this concept called boarding school, and I heard that's where all the, the, the rich elites send their children to get the best world-class education you could find. And I said, well, those are the people that I want to compete with. You know, uh, that's where all of the, the rich and smart kids are going to school. You know, I'm ready to leave home and go to school and compete with them and show them that I'm smarter. And uh, I applied to boarding schools and then I told my parents, hey, this is what I want to do. And uh, they gave it their blessing, went to boarding school in Connecticut, the Taft School, Watertown, Connecticut. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it, played a whole bunch of sports I'd never played before, lacrosse, hockey, you name it. And um, I found out that it gets really, really cold in New England. And, uh, you know, I decided that I no longer wanted to be in the cold and decided I wanted to go to college down south, found Vanderbilt University. Uh, they brought me in for a recruitment weekend. I fell in love with Nashville, Tennessee. Never thought I would ever live in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, the campus was beautiful. People were beautiful. I had two HBCUs within five minutes of Vanderbilt University in which I knew I wasn't going to be without people who looked like me in the city of Nashville. You know, we had Tennessee State University and Fisk University. Um, so, you know, ended up being a very comfortable place. I went there to major in biomedical engineering because uh, my thought at the time was that I wanted to be a doctor, specifically a virologist, and work with viruses, level four viruses like the Ebola virus, and figure out ways to solve those issues so that the world doesn't succumb to a humongous pandemic. And uh, after freshman chemistry in college, I realized that, uh, first of all, a lot of those courses were designed to weed people out. And uh, I didn't find any joy in, uh, you know, doing those chemical equations and the homework. And I was so stressed out and I just couldn't see myself actually sitting in a lab working on these types of things. I felt that I'm a people person. I need to be out talking to the masses. I need to be engaging with the public. So I changed my major to economics purely because it sounded like I would make a lot of money. 
Um, no other reason than that. Uh, but I had no passion or acute interest in being an economist. Um, really didn't have much of a direction uh, once I graduated. I didn't know where I was going to go, where I fit in. Um, entrepreneurship was not something that was promoted to me as a practical career path. And so, you know, bounced around corporate America for a number of years, uh, worked for the world's largest computer maker right out of undergrad and uh, went into sales um, again, because I believe that my strength is in chatting with people. And, uh, you know, I had a very lucrative sales career, you know, throughout my life. Um, but uh, this became a calling, you know, once I went vegan, it was like I saw the light, the blinders were off, and uh, there's so many different reasons why in the future, especially looking at my son, I wanted him to live in a world where the truth uh, was readily available and people made decisions based on the truth and not on marketing and misinformation. So. Um, here I am today with Meek's Vegan Pizza. We opened uh, June 7th, 2021. Uh, and this, my Houston location has been going really well. I have a Chicago location that opened in February as well. Wow. I, I love the, there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you said here that was, I felt very powerful. The, um, uh, just even, even in the story before where you're talking about uh, I feel like the visual of like sitting down and imagining what the life of a cow would be like. And then, and then like putting yourself in the shoes and, and realizing how, how much suffering that would have been, you know, you said hell on earth, right? Like it just like, you know, the, and it's so, so visceral and it, and it's, uh, it just, it's interesting, it's interesting, you know, and, and hearing that you had, you know, even from, childhood you had the the idea of compassion already in inside of you you know like you had the idea of compassion for animals you know as a almost as a no-brainer like why why does not everyone else see this you know when yeah. you see it you know um <clears throat> and then sort of like going through i feel i'm just like i'm dr i'm drawing a through line of like you wanting to see the the world in a better place you know, even as you're trying to, you know, go to school for bio, uh, biomedical, you know, biomedical engineering. And yeah. That, that sounded, <laughs> you know, amazing to me, that whole phrase, biomedical engineering, that's not <laughs> important. And, uh, you know, and I was on a mission to save the world. Right. But I think that the mission still continues because, you're you're now you're now saving the world in a different way, you know. You're saving the world in in through the animals, through you know people's eating and and how and you're providing something for people to. Because I've seen I've seen I mean I I obviously haven't been to your place because it's in Texas, but I've seen your food and I'm like, if somebody didn't tell me that wasn't vegan, I wouldn't know, you know, well, like, yeah. you know, and I, and I think that that's that's something that you know. Uh, the idea of a person becoming vegan 
sometimes is scary because they're, they feel like they can't, they're not going to be able to eat the food that they wanted to eat in the first place. Right. And so if, if something looks like it tastes like it, then I feel like, especially if you're, I mean, if you're in the South, you know, and, and in Texas, you know, it's like the, the culture, the community there's, they, they have a, they have a particular palate. They, they want, I mean, they love me, you know, you know, they, they want it. They love barbecue. They love, you know, and, and if you're, you're giving them something that they already want, but just making it just 10 times better for them. I think that that's amazing. You know, and you are saving the world in a different way. Yeah. I, I, I would like to know, because I looked at the names of the, of the pizzas that you have, Mm -hmm. and you have some unique names that you've given them, which is pretty cool. I want to know specifically about Nefertiti. (laughs) why did you come about that the nefertiti is named after one of my best friends uh, nefertiti jacquez uh she was she was a news reporter here in houston for a number of years uh we actually grew up together um and uh during my high school years or high school, college years, uh, had an internship through a program called the Emma Bowen Foundation, um, which is a program that introduces young minority students, African-American, Hispanic, uh, Latino, Asian-American students uh, to careers in the media. Mm. And so we met there, uh, became really good friends, and she wonderful person. Um, She's about to have a baby right now with her husband. Uh, And Nefertiti has so many food allergies. Um, So when she heard that I was opening Meek's Vegan Pizza, she was like, oh, well, that sounds great. But, you know, I can't eat gluten. Um, You know, she couldn't do, uh, you know, nuts, well, dairy. I mean, just so many things that she uh, just cannot consume. And I said, well, I have to develop a pizza that Nefertiti can eat, you know, because I'm sure <laughs> people out there like her. And I want everybody to be able to eat something that makes vegan pizza that's 100% plant-based, regardless of whether they have particular allergies to wheat or to uh, tree nuts. And so that's where the the name for the Nefertiti came from. I like that a lot. That, that'd be the, that'd be my pizza. Cause I can't eat wheat either. And I was like, Oh man, you know, the, you know, the bread, the bread, right. You know, the reason you want a pizza is because you got the the crust and, you know, so I'm, I, if I, when I'm, when I make my way out there, I'll be, I'll definitely be in the Nefertiti pizza. All right, man. Come on down. <laughs> um, So I heard that, you know, in order to, to, to make the, the, or to do the restaurant, right? Or that you sort of uh, consulted the pizza Bible? Yeah. And yeah. What, what, is, what is the pizza Bible? Yeah, the pizza Bible, um, you know, it's the definitive resource on anything related to pizza, uh, mm-hmm. you know, written by a veteran uh, in the pizza industry, uh, Tony G, who, you know, started in New York, it, you know, and I'm from New York City, so I was looking first and foremost to capture the taste of pizza that I grew up with. Um, I feel like nowhere in the world that I've been uh, does pizza as well as New York. 
some people would argue my friends and my my staff and everybody in Chicago would would argue that Chicago has the best pizza or Detroit. Um, but that was really my first resource that I had that could assist in capturing the New York taste first and foremost. Um, and I used the knowledge that I gained uh, from the Pizza Bible and fused it with the knowledge that I've gained just living here in Houston since 2007, um, you know, with Southern cuisine and spices and fused those ideas together. And so my pizza is actually very unique because it's influenced by New York style pizza but it doesn't look like New York style pizza. It's not as thin as New York pizza is. Um, and it has the Southern uh, seasoning. So I, I developed a Houston pizza. I think Houston finally has its own unique pizza now. So it's Houston style. That's awesome. That's great. I love that. I do. I do agree. I think that looking at the pictures, I know yours are very, very different. It just, because it's, and I also like the fact that quite a number of them, you also work with the, the fact that the pizza is round. Mm -hmm. So you're working with that spiral shape. And I thought, you know, that totally makes sense to me. Yeah. Like, you know, like when you see that it's, it's artistic, when you look mm -hmm. at it, you know, like mm -hmm. somebody's put an intention onto this, you know? <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting because um, I, I remember watching this um, episode of Jon Stewart talking about New York pizza. because I don't know, somebody, somebody was eating pizza with fork and knife. Unfortunately, mm. um, I, I, I've, been, I've been known to do this, and I know this is sacrilegious. This is really offensive to have fucking knife, you know, in the pizza. But I know, you know, like uh, there's there must be some art form because I, I remember him talking about the way you hold that medium pizza, yeah. and it was a certain way to be able to eat it, you know. And so, uh, is there any culture around how you eat pizza that oh, you, yeah. that you're bringing into? Yeah. <laughs> well, 100%. I, I had to make sure when I developed my pizza that you can fold the slice. And because you know, in New York, everybody's in a rush. So you don't have time to sit down with a knife and fork in New York City. Uh, people will typically grab a slice, you know, you call it a slice and a soda. You know, it's the quickest meal you can get in New York. There's pizza shops literally on every corner. You grab your slice, you fold it, you can consume it two times faster by folding it. So I had to make sure my slices you could fold and eat that way, um, you know, but they're a little bit thicker than New York pizza. So it's going to fill you up right away and, uh, you know, you can get about your day. Um, and they, they're, there's definitely pizza culture. There, there are pizza rules. For instance, despite the fact that I own a vegan pizzeria, I don't put pineapple on my pizzas. Um, you know, there's a great debate surrounding whether pineapple belongs on pizza. To be safe, to not upset the pizza gods, I don't put pineapple on my pizzas, you know. And uh, people beg me to do it all the time. I just, I, I've been having success thus far. I don't think I need those problems with uh, that might come with putting pineapple on a pizza. You, you know, if there's going to be any any food, you know, like for example, like you, I think there's there this huge huge uh, conferences uh, for like um, sci-fi or something. Uh, mm -hmm. um, Right, Comic Con or like yeah, right. And I think if there's going to be any huge conference just about a food, it'll probably be pizza, and maybe next to it will be burgers. Yeah, but but I can definitely see pizza, you know, <laughs> having its own thing. You know, people come from all over the world just bringing their own pizza ideas. I mean, I can is just there, see that. Is there something like that? 
Well, there's Pizza Expo in Las Vegas, uh, which is uh, biannual, so it's, it's twice a year. And, um, you know, but this is that's really more so for people in the pizza industry, you know, restaurateurs, um, you know, people who own pizzerias. Um, and we check out the newest technology, gadgets, recipes, yeah. um, you know, and it's huge, man. It's at the, the Las Vegas Convention Center and they fill that whole space up with only pizza related things. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, I can definitely see that. Yeah. And and then doing pizza parties and stuff and having huge, <laughs> yeah. I, I can just see that in my mind's eye. Yeah, well, that's awesome. you got to consider this. Five billion pizzas are consumed on planet Earth every year. It's literally the most popular food on planet Earth. Wow. Um, I don't I don't think there's any country where you can't find pizza. So, you know, literally... Well, you know, maybe Antarctica, I don't know. We might have to get them a pizza oven out there. But uh, between the North and South Pole, there's really not many places on planet Earth where you can go and not find yourself a slice of pizza. So so it looks to me then in, in that term, so the fact that you're actually creating this new pizza concept, you know, makes sense because pizza then becomes this baseline, you know, that you're using. And then above that, you're creating you know, your own concept, you know, um, and, and I wonder, are there, are there um, like a mini pizza or a, a, a pseudo pizza idea that, um, that is not like a regular pizza that's out there? Like what are the new ideas or new concepts that are coming out um, that, that kind of shapes or modify pizza a little bit? Well, you know, the thing about uh, veganism becoming uh, such a necessary uh, way for the world to consume food is that now we're getting, we're starting to see people develop uh, different cheeses. Mm. Uh, you know, there are lots of companies out there, you know, five years ago, the, the options for cheese were not great. Um, yeah. So, uh, and this is one of the reasons why I actually developed my own proprietary recipe, uh, you know, for cashew cheese. Um but you're starting to see so many different innovative ways of creating cheese, of creating substances that resemble meat and taste as well as texture. Mm. Um, I think we're in, we're at veganism 3.0 right now uh, in the year 2023. Prior to this, you know, your options for food were things that looked like meat, but they didn't necessarily taste like meat. You know, then version 2.0 was like, they kind of look and they kind of taste like meat, but they may not necessarily have been good for you. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I think we've arrived at veganism 3.0, where the stuff looks, tastes, and actually has a greater health benefit to you to consume. So, you know, that's mm -hmm. the really exciting thing about, um, you know, the innovative food that is, uh, you know, coming out now. Uh, whether it be in pizza or other um, food categories. Well, yeah, yeah, I I, told, I can totally see that. Um, it's, I, I I like the concept of the three point oh. We're moving forward, you know, in the, <laughs> in the development of this. This is so cool. Four um, is going to be crazy, I think. Yeah, you you know you know the other thing also is that I think um, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the pizza industry is going to do with like a, 
have been specialized like uh, clearly by not having pineapple on pizza <laughs> you sort of kind of eliminating hawaii a little bit i was gonna say if you if you open you know, up like a, you know like like hawaii. you're not you know you know <laughs> so demetrius if you did if you did open up a location in hawaii would you break your own code you know that's a good question i think if we open in hawaii I don't think it would be blasphemous to have <laughs> Hawaiian pizza in Hawaii, you know, because it, it technically it wouldn't be, you know, cultural appropriation. And I think the pizza gods in Hawaii would be would give me their blessing, you know, and 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 yeah. I think the way things work there, I would have to go up to a volcano or two, make my yep. pizza. Yeah. Yeah the uh you know the gods there and get their blessing and i'd be i'd be totally okay with that if i could get out to hawaii get the blessing from the yeah. pizza gods in there you, we, you take a couple of pies and you you know <laughs> sacrifice it to pele you know yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah, the the volcano yeah. god yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's awesome if pele is upset and there's a volcanic eruption i mean <laughs> i have to take that as a sign that i i yeah. got you know i got it nix the pineapple in hawaii as well <laughs> Although I do agree with you, I think um, personally, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure how I feel about um, pineapple on pizza. It seems like yeah, a little dicey, a little, you know? a little weird. <laughs> a little weird. I do. I do want to switch. That. I want to switch the focus a little bit to um, uh, being a black business owner and. It, with with sort of, I know this is a, quite a quite a, a subject change, but uh, but with um, like thinking about you know how how we're like uplifting you know our black communities, you know, um, do you have any thoughts about that? I do. Uh, I believe that veganism is a social justice issue first and foremost, and the intersectionality between uh veganism and all other political and social justice movements is very very apparent to me and i think that's uh more so uh why me as a black man finds it necessary to really connect with people who look like me and to and to point out the fact that hey all of these atrocities have occurred to our people um for centuries now why would we continue to manifest and promote the same styles of torture, rape, torture, murder, and violence on anyone else, considering we know full well exactly how terrible that's been for us? And uh, if anything, we should be able to see the compassion, uh, practice the compassion, you know, I, I feel it should be easier for us to grasp the concept than anyone else on planet Earth, mm -hmm. specifically because we've been subjugated for so many centuries. Um, and so helping people who look like me to come to that realization uh, that all of the things that we've been taught by the dominant society and culture have been incorrect. It's a mm -hmm. different way to look at these things. Not only is it incorrect, it's harmful to our bodies. It's harmful to the planet. 
and is harmful to other living things. We should, out of any people, be able to understand that better than anyone. So, um, you know, I think it is certainly a huge social justice movement. I think that if we can begin to realize the um, the ugliness uh, that comes with animal agriculture and that entire industry, we not only can begin to heal ourselves, but we can begin to heal others because we say, hey, compassion is the only thing that's going to save us and the rest of the planet. Mm-hmm. So it's very critical to me. Yeah. I, I do agree with you. I think um, there's a unique position that we hold as Black people um, understanding. And it doesn't even matter where, you, where you're from, you know, like uh, as a Black person, there's just that stigma, that, that perception, you know, and that you live with all the time. You step out of your house and you realize, okay, uh, there's some, there's a mark on here, you know, everybody's looking at that and you know there's a judgment going on. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really agree with you. I think um, we have an obligation to really see and be able to use the knowledge and the understanding of what pain and discrimination is to us and our people mm-hmm. to be able to use that and turn around, you know, as a, as a, um, as a basis for the compassion that we extend onto everything else in the world. You know, I think we we are that unique unique position. We we are, um, yeah. You know, and and for me also, I think one of the fights also is um, or the struggle, uh, is to know things that we want that are good, that are important. They're going to be hard to do, right? And to just know, we just have to go through that hard part. Oh yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, it's it's been, you know, the journey of, of centuries, unfortunately. And I think the lesson in all of this is that rape, torture, and murder is wrong in any form. We can't just draw the line and say, oh, it's wrong for human beings. If we know it's wrong, it's wrong for everything that lives. And mm-hmm. so just coming into the consciousness that we live in an ecosystem, Everything on planet Earth exists in an ecosystem, despite the fact that human beings can artificially manipulate uh, the ecosystem of the planet, um, the ecosystems in our communities and where we live. At the end of the day, when we disrupt the ecosystem, bad things happen for Mm -hmm. us. Um, We're really at a time, a, a very perilous time in history in which we're we're steering at the brink of human extinction, of planetary extinction, we're entering the seventh largest extinction event ever recorded in our planet's history. And so it's gonna take black people taking this battle and struggle upon ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know we have a lot to deal with. We have so many Mm -hmm. different burdens. We have the economic burden of, you know, not making as much per capita as our neighbors. Uh, education uh, gaps. We have so many different things that are on our plate that stress us out. But I think focusing on this, we can level up in all of those different categories because um, this is going to have to focus our attention on equality in all forms. Hmm. That's awesome. Uh, Thank you so much for saying that. That is just uh, 
really true. You know, the other thing also is that I think, um, at least for me, the way I see this is that we struggle so much anyway. Right. You know, the poor struggle, poor Black people, uh, wealthy Black people, educated Black people, uneducated Black people, we all just struggle anyway. And often we have to, we have to do a lot more to achieve the little that we achieve just because of the negative perception outside. So things don't just come to us as easily. But, but I think the lesson for me is that anything that we achieve, we struggle so much. We know how to struggle. Yeah. And I think that is a lesson that we know how to struggle and we can actually tell everybody else, you know, it's going to be hard so that even though we have that poverty, you know, the, the education gap and so on, but we can struggle through it if we can harness that struggle and direct the struggle towards a bigger goal. Because mm -hmm. we already know how to struggle. Yeah. That's not a problem for us. It's just channeling that struggle anyway, because almost any successful Black person that we see, they've had to channel that struggle. And when we get to that point, you say, you know what? Life is hard, but I want to achieve this. And then you start moving in that direction, you know? And then so many times you're going, this is too much. I want to quit. But you hang in there, you know? And day in, day out, all our lives, all our kids, from when they're kids, they're very young, the moment they go out in public, they begin that struggle. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to harness that and to say, that is our spirit. It's almost like a spiritual space right? that we're in. That we say, you know, we have been so blessed to know how to struggle. We can achieve. And, uh, yeah. No, I was, I was just going to ask a, just a question, you know, uh, for that. Um, you know, I think that, you know, because there's so much struggle, you know, uh, and there's been so much you know, uh, generational pain coming through, you know, uh, how do you sort of get yourself out? I mean, cause you know, if you've ever struggled with, you know, depression or, you know, like, like these like bad feelings, it's hard to get out of it sometimes, you know? Um, and I think sometimes, you know, in, in some, in some ways you, it, it's it's just a struggle to get out of that. So how how would you how would a person you know how would how do people in the black community start to move a, away from what we've had to deal with for such a long time into a, a new space? Because it sometimes I I feel like it could be it could be a lot, you know. Oh yeah, it's it's a lot to deal with. Uh, but you know, I firmly believe you know Buddha said suffering exists that's the, mm -hmm. the premise of buddhism uh, i'm not a buddhist but you know i've studied all types of uh, religious beliefs and suffering is necessary we have to understand that suffering is necessary because the universe is asking us to evolve constantly the only way we can get stronger improve is to evolve and so the universe is throwing a kitchen sink at us man <laughs> so we're living on a big rock in the middle of space that's spinning around at like 70,000 miles per hour around a big ball of fire 
that's mm -hmm. traveling through the universe at like 100,000 miles per hour in an ever-expanding universe. Every second that we exist, the universe is expanding at an ever-increasing rate. Everything mm -hmm. is being ripped apart. Everything is in constant movement, evolution. And so, you know, just realizing that the universe is a cold, hard, difficult, amazing place and everything that's being thrown at us is only here to make us stronger and to, you know, for us to figure out ways to work together collectively mm -hmm. in order to exist in an ecosystem that, like I said, is extremely harsh and crazy. So, you know, just taking in that fact that the harsher the suffering, the stronger it makes us. Uh, and transform that into now we can unite. Now we can save this planet, you know, by first and foremost, saving our ecosystem, uh, the environment, plant-based eating, and animal suffering and agriculture. And then we can start working on the bigger challenges, right? We need to figure out how can we ensure that the human race can exist outside of planet Earth planet's not going to be here forever. We could be taken out a couple years from now from a huge asteroid strike that we didn't see coming. Uh, we need to be able to uh, proliferate in outer space, the rest of the universe. We need to figure out how to find other worlds that are habitable. And these are the big challenges that collectively as a human race, we really should be dedicating most of our energy and effort towards but we're distracted by nonsense. We're distracted by uh, people trying to hoard resources. Uh, you know, we're distracted by uh, conflicts between different religious and ethnic groups and nationalities and nations. Uh, the whole thing that the universe is trying to teach us is to work together. That's the only way we're gonna continue to exist. It's the only way we're ever gonna hopefully meet our neighbors and the rest of this galaxy that we live in, that's, you know, 100,000 light years across, and we don't know anyone else or anyone else that's out there looks at us as such terrible, uh, ignorant beings that they don't want to reveal themselves to us. Uh, so that's what we got to work through, man. We got to mm -hmm. say, hey, you know, the struggles that we've endured thus far have only proven to us that we need to work together collectively. Uh, and that, and, and I think the only way we can do that again is, oh, sorry, my dog almost knocked my laptop off. <laughs> I think the only way we can do that is, again, through compassion, um, mm. the universe, do unto others as you would have others do unto you, regardless of whether they're human or not. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. That, that, that just totally captivated me there. What you just said, um. Uh, it's so true. Yeah. I think um, you know. It, are, are there any um, forums that want that we can participate in together so we can begin that conversation to say? Because I think I really think um, there's something, there's a vortex that we can create as a black people, mm -hmm. a vortex of the strength of of unity that we can create that can ripple out into the rest of the world, you know, and not because. We want to say that we've had so much struggle, so therefore we know all the answers. No, but to say that we can use that struggle to really show, because like you said, it is so clear that all the struggle that we've had as, as a human race, you know, we can see it's not working when we are divided. Mm. It only works when we're united. And so 
are there any forums that we can be a part of or that 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 you know of or you that you're participating in you know towards this type of conversation so we can we can really begin that unity uh, walk so you know before i opened meek's vegan pizza i actually started constructing another organization called black love and love stands for league of vegan emissaries and um I didn't actually uh, get it launched or get it off the ground, but you know, just like me's vegan pizza has been something at the back of my mind that I've been wanting to uh, perfect, figure out how to get funding for so that people like us, we can be those advocates uh, speaking directly to our communities and showing people why black love is really important. And um, you know, and that's where the compassion comes in because I think Lots of people are not necessarily born naturally uh, with the, the same compassion that others are born with. And it's our duty to teach compassion. And I think that, you know, what Dr. King was trying to do, Dr. King was trying to teach the world compassion. And that was such a dangerous and radical concept that he was assassinated. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to continue that fight in this new generation. And so, you know, that's what I'm hoping uh, once I get Black Love finally launched will be a vehicle to do that. Um, other than that, you know, there are organizations that are taking this fight to the political spectrum. Um, the Agriculture Fairness Alliance is an organization that um, I donate to. Uh, the founder, Connie Spence, her name is, uh, she's known as Vegan Batgirl on Instagram. Um And we have to recognize that even as vegans, our tax dollars are still being used to subsidize the atrocities that occur in animal agriculture. Um, You know, cattle ranchers, farmers, big corporations like Tyson Foods, Smithfield Farms are being incentivized to continue producing meat and cheese at rates that are increasing, despite the fact that the rates of consumption by humans are decreasing. Hmm. So that is a tragic situation in which, you know, our voices need to be heard. Um, Agriculture Fairness Alliance, I encourage anyone who's vegan to become active in that. Um, And being, you know, having people on Capitol Hill who are lobbying our legislators and telling them that this is not right, it needs to change. Um, Because guess what? Big ag has billions of dollars to throw at these politicians to continue these practices, to continue making sure that they receive federal subsidies, um, which still promote the destruction of our environment. The fact that rainforest is being leveled daily in order to graze more and more cattle worldwide has to change. Um, So, you know, I, I would I would certainly welcome you guys to to help me in getting Black Love launched. Um, but for the time being, the Agriculture Fairness Alliance is the most important organization right now fighting to make sure that politically vegans have a voice in what goes on in United States politics. Mm. Awesome. Thank you so much. And yeah. so um, I will definitely uh, immediately look at an AFA to make sure we we um, we become a part of that. And I, I, I think uh, I would love to take you up on that Black Love uh, mm-hmm. launching because I think it's a great idea. And I love the way you use that acronym of, um, of L-O-V-E, you yes. know, um, yeah. 
you know, it's interesting. I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe better love and critical thought, you know, would be the black part, you know. Uh, <laughs> I like that. I like that a you lot. Know, yeah. <laughs> because I, I think there's something about it. And, and I really like that. Black love. There's yeah. something about it. It's mm -hmm. about that vortex. And I can see that. Mm -hmm. That we, we we can use this 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 um this energy and this uh, this uh, um, um, compassion, you know, to mm -hmm. to make the world better. Uh, thank you so much for for really uh, giving us some amazing nuggets. Yeah, really awesome. Unfortunately, we're we're. I mean, I feel like I've been. Um, uh, I feel like there's so many more questions to ask, but we're like running out of time. You know. Um, so uh I'm gonna ask these three questions, you know. Um first one being what can someone do or what advice would you give to somebody, you know, who's either starting on uh, out on their vegan journey or you know, um wants to get involved in some of the things that we've been talking about today? Um what would you what would you suggest for them to do? What would be your advice? I just say, start right now, don't turn back, you know, because human beings, the most difficult thing about human beings is the fact that we don't like to change our mind. And so sometimes you just got to jump in a pool and start swimming, whether you believe you can or not, because a thousand things will try to stop you. You know, you have all these little doubts in your mind. Oh, I don't know. If I'm going to get enough protein, I don't know if I'm, you know, you know, this is going to be inconvenient or, you know, what are my friends going to think about me? You just got to jump in the pool, start swimming and don't look back. Um, start today is, is, is what my advice would be. Um, yeah, that, that it, 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 it just keep going. You know? Yeah. Awesome. What are you um, what are you working on right now? Uh, let me see. I'm working on getting a pizza vending machine. Wow. Um, that's so cool. that's, yeah, you know, and this is why places like Pizza Expo are important. Um, we're talking to a company based out of France, actually. They have an office in Philadelphia. They make pizza vending machines, which are very popular in Europe. Um, we have a few here in the United States, but uh, it hasn't become a big thing yet. But, you know, I've talked to a few different locations. Uh, West Houston Medical Center is one. Uh, there are a few hospitals here in Houston who, believe it or not, do not offer any plant-based options for, for you know, their, their patients and their, the families of these patients mm -hmm. in hospitals. You would think this would be the place where people are suffering from, you know, hypertension, diabetes, you know, cancer, high blood pressure, et cetera, mm -hmm. you name it that this would be the place that they would go and only get plant-based meals. But no, because our food system is so messed up, uh, it's, it's, it's actually tragic that a yeah. lot of these facilities don't have plant-based options. So, uh, you know, getting vending machines, first and foremost in hospitals, um, schools are another place where unfortunately, you know, my son, he's in public school here in Houston. There's not a plant-based option for them to eat every day at school. Mm -hmm. um, you know, colleges and universities and their dormitories, they, they have vending machines full of all kinds of snacks that are processed and have all kinds of cheese and, and all kinds of stuff in it. They don't have any, uh, you know, vending machines where they can go get a vegan meal, you know, um, you know that's convenient. 
So I'm really looking at getting into the vending space uh, when it comes to this. Wow, that's awesome. That's really cool. Thank um, you. So where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram. I, I'm on Instagram a lot, at uh, Meeks Vegan Pizza. Uh, TikTok, at Meeks Vegan Pizza. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Meeks Vegan Pizza. Or you can check out the website if you're hungry, MeeksVeganPizza.com. And, you know, if you're in Houston, I would love for you to come by. Uh, my shop is located at 2616 Blodgett Street in Houston's historic Third Ward community. And, um, you know, hit me up, man. I'd love to chat with you. You can DM me. That's how we got connected is through our DMs on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I'm an open book, like I said. And if I have time, I'd certainly entertain any conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, for coming on today. I mean, it's just a lot of, a lot of awesome. I mean, you're doing a lot of good in the world right now. So I really appreciate you. Hey, I'm just doing what, uh, you know, I, I decided a little while ago to go with the wave of the universe, uh, mm. fighting against the wave of the universe causes tremendous stress and um, depression, but when you go with the wave of the universe, I didn't know how I was gonna be able to open a, a, a pizza shop in the middle of a pandemic. I didn't have all the money. I didn't have all the know-how. I'd never opened a restaurant. I never worked in food service, um, but because I'm doing what it is that the universe is calling me to do, all of the resources have made themselves available to me. And so I encourage people tap in to what the universe wants, right? You know, yeah. once I decided to start eating food that was good for my body, things started to change. You know, um, I'm performing the universe's will. The universe is trying to, it gives us hints all the time. We get all of these hints and cues that, you know, you eat this, you have a better life expectancy, you have a better health outcome, you know, uh, you know, and not only does that happen, but guess what? You save the life of another living being. Not only do you save the life of another living being, but you also contribute to uh, fostering, um, you know, or lessening the burden of pollution in your environment and in the planet. So, you know, all of these positive feedback mechanisms that occur prove to you that you're on the right path and you're doing what it is that the universe wants you to do. Hmm. That's great. Thank you so much. That's, really That's awesome. Good. Really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. yeah. All right. Thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast. And I, I think we gotta, we gotta have you on again, you know, at some point. Yeah, you know? for sure. Happy to, happy to come on anytime you need me. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, real, real quick before I go, yeah, I, want yeah, to yeah. I want to thank you both for even conceiving this platform because what you're doing is is extremely critical in informing everyone. Mm. Um, and this is getting the message out. You know, I can do what I do making pizza, but you guys are disseminating the message that needs to be heard. So thank you so much for your commitment to doing this. Um, I, I really believe this is going to be so tremendously popular in the very near future. I'm excited about it for you. Awesome. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate that, that, actually. Yeah. Really. Thank you. Yeah. All right. See you. We'll see you next time. All right. Cool. <laughs> see All you right. next time, Bye. guys. Thanks, everybody. All righty. Thanks.
All right. So we just had our interview with Demetrius Walker. Uh, I mean, amazing, amazing right? We yeah. actually had a little really bit more inspiring. of a conversation afterwards, um, which I don't think was recorded, but that was really cool too. That was um, amazing. Yeah. If we had, yeah, maybe in the future we can do like some sort of bonus features or whatever. And, yeah. Although, and let people do although, that. So, although I am glad that you, um, you let Demetrius know that he's, he's probably inspired a different way of doing the podcast for us because oh yeah, I think just the way we had that conversation, it was so key mm-hmm. that we should have it that way. Yeah. 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 So in the, you know, just a little insider in the, after we were done with the interview, we just, we just chatted, you know, we basically just, you know, you know, after these interviews, you know, you, you, you set the mic down, you stretch a little bit, you know, you, you lean back in your chair and then you sort of relax, you know? Right. Um, and, and I think that that sort of helped with the flow of like thoughts and stuff like that, you know? And so right. that may be something that we'll, we'll try to incorporate a little bit more in, into the next video. Yeah. Uh, sorry, into the next interviews. So we'll, we'll, we're going to play around with that and see how that goes. But what he had to say was really great. You know, he's um, a lot of very interesting visuals that, or, you know, images, striking images that I, I remember from his conversation, you know, like when he was imagining himself, you know, being the cow, I thought that was really interesting. And, yeah. and just, you know, the, you know, this, this is always a theme. This is, you know, this is a big theme for veganism, but compassion. Yeah. That's, that's a really big thing. So. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. It was great. And so anyway, um, yeah, looking forward to the next uh, podcast. So this, is, this yeah. is awesome. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Green Carpet Interviews. We hope you found it informative and inspiring. This show was brought to you by Veg on the Edge, our vegan restaurant in Santa Cruz and San Luis Obispo. If you're in the area, be sure to stop by and check out our delicious plant-based dishes. Check out vegontheedge.com for more information. To stay connected with us and learn more about conscious living, follow us on Instagram at Green Carpet Interviews. We love hearing from our listeners and would love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Green Carpet Interviews. Thank you.